0: Michael Graham, New Hampshire Journal. Take it away, Michael. Uh,
1: I, I, I thought I was. Am I not taking
0: No, no, I, I, didn't, take I, don't, I don't think I introduced you. I didn't give you the credit for your uh, media. That's uh, no, it's uh, fine, it's fine,
1: it's fine, it's fine, Jack. And I, I don't need to look. I mean, n- a normal American people are watching President Biden on TV. And when Representative Annie Custer gives an interview and says, he's fine, he's sharp, Jack. Jack, Joe Biden isn't just fine, he's sharp. Uh, people look at Annie Custer and go, she's a Democrat who's doing her job, upholding her party. She knows this isn't true. It's clearly not true. And last week, it was pretty you know, gasp-inducing when an NBC poll found that 76% of Americans said they had concerns, 64% of them major concerns about his ability. And then the new poll dropped yesterday from, uh, from ABC, 86% of Americans say Annie Custer's a liar. He is not mentally and physically up for another four years. Jack, it will be 2029 if Joe Biden finished his second term. He'd be 86 years old. Nobody thinks that any of that is true. And so the question is, what, if anything, are the Democrats going to do about it? And what, if anything, are Republicans going to do to take advantage of it? Because they're offering a uh, an alternative who you know also doesn't poll very well and has a a lot of issues that uh, voters don't like.
0: You know, Michael, before we get to the Republican stuff, I want to get back to this story. I really, on Friday, was trying to be in a Friday mood, have a little more fun, Super Bowl's coming up, we're all in a Friday mood, and I could not escape what I, and I don't think I was overreacting, I was checking myself just mentally, I I could not overescape what I saw with the president that night, almost saying, don't you know who I am, getting agitated to uh, now reporters having the courage to ask some questions about his memory, his forget his competency. Mm-hmm. That became a story. Now they're on the defense. And I, for the first time, I started thinking, wow, the wheels on this could come off pretty quickly because you can't patch this up and hide it. You can't. He's going to have to go out and talk. And every time he does it, now, before, I remember saying to John Decker, let me just say this one, you'll get a kick out of this, our own White House correspondent travels a lot with the president, do you remember when the vice? You remember when the president, when it wasn't the vice president, uh, she was out. I think commemorating the, you know, Roe v. Wade. But do you remember a few weeks ago when the president went? To, I think the Midwest to go to that brewery, a beer place, mm-hmm, right? And he, and he started speaking some language, and everyone there is like, "What's he talking about?" <laughs> And I asked John Decker and he goes, Jack, I was there and John Decker's about as down the middle as they come. I mean he, he calls the balls and strikes. I said they go, You not a big deal and he goes, Jack, every time we go out with the president he has five or six of these, we're used to it. So my point is mm-hmm. we kinda of came numb to it till this special counsel observation in black and white and now right. all of a sudden it's gonna every time it happens it's gonna be like, you know, nails on a chalkboard and I think I think it's I think it I don't think they get to the convention with this 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 uh, scenario myself.
1: As long as they stick with him, Jack, nothing's going to happen. There's no rule that says that your uh, candidate, your nominee, has to be compass mentis so they can choose whoever they want. Uh, But as you and I have said repeatedly in our conversations about 2024, the one fact we know about Joe Biden is one year from today, he will be 365 days older. And there's no way that, that that's the one unchangeable fact. But one reason Biden might remain the nominee is if, Democrats aren't put on the spot about it. And so that's why at NH Journal we keep asking our members of the delegation. They just had a meeting with him on January 31st, and they all claim he's fine. As Annie Custer says, he's sharp. And we are watching, and that doesn't seem to match it. So we keep asking, do you still say that you think this man is fit to still be president in 2029 and their answer is no comment. They have no comment. Well, so we're I, just going to keep I, asking. I, Again, I, you
0: know. I get. I don't want to. I don't want to debate you, Michael Graham, New Hampshire <laughs> Journal, anyjournal.com, dot com. But I, I'm not sure I can agree because you're saying as long as they want him and he passes the test once in a while, nothing's going to happen. That's basically, right. and, and a lot of people say that. The difference is, and I and I'm trying to get some um, answers to this. When you're Secretary of State and I know the Mm -hmm. defense secretary has a health scare right now, but when you're a member of the cabinet and you put your hand up and take an oath, if you see that the president of the United States in a national security or cabinet meeting is either physically or mentally incapacitated, you actually have an oath and an obligation to put your hand up. And that's the 25th amendment. You can't gloss over that for politics. And all of a sudden you could have someone around him get in trouble for hiding this, if, if it becomes clear, he's mm-hmm. not making the decisions on whether or not to strike a target in Syria, if you follow me. No, I follow you completely.
1: Um, and, and in the era when people put their jobs ahead of party, that could have happened. But we're in a new era. We have an American parliament. Everybody's loyalty is to the party first and then Congress, yeah. Yeah. their jobs, et cetera, second. And so that's just not going to happen in the current climate. And uh, the days of a Robert Byrd, who was a you know Democrat, if uh, – for example, we, we went for a 1,000 days under, under Barack Obama without a budget because mm-hmm. the Democrats in the Senate wouldn't pass a budget because they couldn't get a budget obama liked. Well, Robert Byrd would have told President Obama, Go, I don't care that you don't like this, but we're the Senate. I'm a senator. It matters that I'm a senator more than it matters that I'm a Democrat.
0: Well, those yeah. days are over, and I, yeah, so we're going to stick with it. All right, Republicans. Uh, 12 days from now, South Carolina, you grew up there, you're from there, what do you see? I ran
1: political campaigns down there. What do you see? In, Tell us what you think uh, of the Trump and Haley. See, what I see is Nikki Haley is uh, frustrated. Uh, her attacks on Donald Trump have gotten as pointed as anything from the Never Trumper crowd. And, of course, you know, not that he doesn't deserve it, him trashing her husband while he's serving America abroad is pretty despicable. And so she has every right to be angry that he would you know, be as despicable as that. But that's not how you win a Republican primary, um, because the three magic words are Republicans like Trump. And they really, really like him in South Carolina. So, I mean, you're looking now at a situation where uh, if I had to bet, I would bet she's going to lose by at least 20 points. It's possible she could lose her home state by 30 points. And
0: then, and then you what?
1: ask yourself – you know, how does that work? What do you do? Do you, you know, what, what legacy do you have from that happening? Uh, you know, do you, I mean, let's face it, she can drop out any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, does she go on to Super Tuesday? Does she still get money after that point? But there is no sign at all that her approach of, uh, you know, pressing Trump, running TV ads, calling Trump chicken, which I think is really good TV. I've not seen it, Jack. But I think it's a really good ad. I don't know that works. Speaking of political ads, did you see the JFK RFK ad? In the yeah, Super, Bowl? Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: loved it. I mean, separate from the candidate, I don't have I mean, whatever. I just thought it was. I thought it really caught your eye because you yeah. had this old school graphics, old yeah. school music, and yeah. then RFK putting his images in where his uh, uncles had been. I thought it was very smart. He will get a lot more than seven million dollars attention out of that ad.
0: I agree. Seven million bucks. Well done. Way worth a good bump. All right, Michael Graham and H. Turn. enjoy you a little bit of snow tomorrow. All right, thanks, Doug Tangman, with a worldwide market perspective. And you know, I was talking about uh, to a younger couple over the weekend, and you know, that real estate nut seems to be a challenge for anyone wanting to you know get a bigger place or move because they don't want to give up a great mortgage at three percent, but the price of a you know a home that should be, you know, to them in their mind six fifty seven hundred max, you know, selling a four fifty home that they've been in for five years is closer to a million, and a lot, it's a lot of people with interest rates now in the mid sixes long-term it's out of reach
2: that's right that's right and 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 markets take a while to adjust i think you know ultimately real estate markets adjust to the economy that underlies them and you know just let's face it the boston economy has been booming and and uh real estate down the seacoast that area it, it it reflects that i mean up here in the upper valley the dartmouth hitchcock um growth now they call it dartmouth health Um, has been booming and real estate up here in the upper valley reflects that
0: yeah yeah, okay so let's just say because you're you and i are kind of and i think in that i don't know what class you were at Dartmouth, but probably not far off Um,
2: (laughs) a few years ago jack but um we'll leave that.
0: yeah but you know you know um I, i i categorize younger people i talk with those who are you know engaged in life and whether they're a family or not you know in that just give me a minute here kind of 25 to 40, uh, late 20s, early 30s, sort of those types of folks. If they – let's say – I'm being hypothetical. This is fun for a moment. Let's say one of them got a job at Dartmouth Health, and the other one was working for a high-tech company in the Upper Valley, and they were doing pretty well, and they they wanted to buy a home. They wanted to get into the real estate, buy a home, start a family, whatever, get serious, own their own place versus rent, in and around Hanover, and you know they're looking at something that's nice that they don't you know it's not a you know it's it's like it's been done over it's you know good you know good home nice home what range are we talking about in the upper valley I mean what can you get a nice home for
2: I think you know I I'm not a real estate uh, appraiser or expert here real estate dealer but I would think somewhere in the uh, in the in the upper mid six figures six hundred seven hundred that's about what it's going to cost for a for. And let's say they want they want some land because up here lots of people want a lot of land, or right. they want walking distance to the schools. That's going to cost a little a little bit more. Um, but uh, I, I, that's what I think. Probably upper upper six figures.
0: What do you not think it is in Rock? What do you think it What do you think it is in Rockingham County between like Dover and Portsmouth in that area?
2: I have no idea. You're going to tell me a million. Yeah, that's, you know it's not a surprise because so many people in that area, are, are being supported by the economy down in Boston. And the Boston economy is just a boom.
3: I, now, interest I, rates have Hold balance. on.
0: We're seeing a different trend. I'm seeing a different trend. These are people I actually talk to when you meet someone and they moved here and they bought a townhome or a home, you know, 1.3, 1.4. Yard. The classic line is not Boston as much as people think. It's like we moved here. We moved here from Connecticut. We moved here from New York. We moved here from New Jersey. We moved here from out west. We moved here. And they tend to be older. They don't tend to be that younger couple. They tend to be like 55, 60 and older, with more money. They moved here and they paid top dollar,
2: and and they don't want to pay the taxes. And and those kind of kind of um, in migration that uh, that supports the, the New Hampshire economy, we want more of those. We absolutely yeah. want more of those. I, I'll say this: I think interest rates have have peaked and are on their way down. Um, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Um, when that happens that affordability will come in and some of those houses that are not on the market will come back on the market because people with the 3% mortgage will just right. say well I can afford a 5% mortgage. They can't yeah, afford think, the 6 or the 7.
0: Yeah, I think I think when you see it dip below 6 you'll see some people starting to move and loosen up but but again those people that you say we need the problem is when they fulfill or buy a home that really, you know, number of years ago locals would remember would be you know two-thirds of what someone's getting um, the developers and the people selling cater to that upper end market so good luck to affordable housing for anyone who can't afford you know in Rye or Portsmouth New Hampshire a million or one.2 one.3 1.5 million dollar home you know the affordable and housing
2: yeah, and that's an, that's an ongoing issue it's an issue up here in the upper valley that folks who work in Dartmouth can't afford to live in, in Hanover you know the folks who are supporting Dartmouth health not the not the uh the osteo, uh, not the osteosurgeons or, right, or the right. you know the high-end um, you know two-earning couple—they can't afford to live here. Affordable housing is a is an ongoing issue. But I'll, I'll just say that the markets are doing what they're supposed to do. And I, you know, if they want to come out here from Ohio, they want to come up here from from Massachusetts to you know attack refugees. Um, I I think that that it's all good. Um, we want we want more of that. We don't want less of that.
0: Right. Thanks, Doug. Worldwide market perspective. Doug Tankton, make it a good one. Um I yeah, appreciate yeah, great, it. Great
2: great game last night, by the yeah, way. It was. I I yeah. I have to say I, I, I would go with uh with with um the best tight end of the in the uh in the league. He had two clutch receptions there at you know with with, with critical time.
0: Yeah, well they they're the best team won and the, the two best teams were there
2: absolutely absolutely jack you have a great week
0: anna brown we're going to keep it on the local side of things under the state house dome of course she heads up citizens count and if you haven't been there you should citizenscount.org it's a wonderful nonpartisan uh information on the your local legislators your your voting records the bills everything in the state house and more anna brown on a monday morning talking a little bit about what we should expect the next week or two or a month under the dome take it away anna
4: good morning there 's a few bills this week that i 'm looking at and particularly that are related to housing, which is of course the huge issue it seems in our state right now so tomorrow there 's going to be a public hearing that would allow landlords to evict a tenant just because a lease is up. so after at least six months of renting, if your lease expires, there'd be the option to just say okay we 're not moving forward tenant you 're leaving." So that one is another similar proposal from last year. didn't go forward, but I'm looking at that. So that's sort of empowering landlords. On the other side of it, two days later, on February 16th, we're going to have a public hearing on HB 1291, which would increase the number of accessory dwelling units allowed by right from one to two. And there are other regulations municipalities, municipalities could add around ADUs. For example, a municipality could require a property to have at least half an acre to have more than one ADU. But that one is going to be very interesting to watch because it comes down to that debate of how much do we want these state laws to be coming in and and saying this is a crisis. We really need to open this up a little. You know, the NIMBYs have gone too far in a lot of these towns, and we have a housing crisis. And then on the other hand, you have people who are saying we need local control, you know, given what we have going on with our local sewer system and our schools and our hospitals. You know, we don't want to have too much housing coming in. And then the third one also is going to be up in the Senate that I am interested in. And that is actually a public hearing tomorrow. SB 538, its sponsors are calling it the HOMENIBUS, which is a play on omnibus. Omnibus bills generally have a whole lot of different proposals all mm-hmm. pulled into one umbrella under one bill. And among other things, this bill is looking to provide a tra- tax credit to convert offices to residences. And I know that that is a very interesting topic for a lot of people. As we have seen the shift away from a lot of commercial offices following COVID-19, there's a lot of interest in, okay, so we have empty buildings, could those turn into residences? But my understanding is it's potentially very expensive to do that because you think about adding kitchens, adding bathrooms, that's a lot of plumbing in places where it wasn't, where you had conference rooms and offices and so on. So potentially a tax credit program for that could be interesting. But there's Mm -hmm. a lot of other stuff in that bill. As I said, it's an omnibus bill. The pun is they're calling it the homenibus. And it has all Democrat sponsors, which could mean that maybe we'll get a little bit of partisan division. A lot of these other housing proposals do have bipartisan sponsorship. So definitely a big week for housing in the New Hampshire legislature. And then when they come up for voting days on Thursdays, we're going to see some of those just very classic hot button issues coming up Several bills related to firearms are getting a vote in the Senate this Thursday. So, for example, SB 360 would establish a procedure for extreme risk protection orders. That's more commonly known as a red flag law. Basically, family, household members, and law enforcement could petition the court for an order that would remove a person's firearms if they are seen as a risk to themselves and others. But that's just one of a few bills that day. And also another interesting bill, I think it probably faces an uphill battle in the Senate, given how they've rejected a lot of other abortion rights-related legislation. But it would provide legal protections for people who might seek abortion care in New Hampshire. So, for example, the bill would prohibit the state from cooperating with an investigation into a person for violating another state's abortion law if they came to New Hampshire and got treatment in some way. So those are going to be those hot-button issues, but I don't really think they're going to move forward on the votes because we have that very dominant Republican majority. Uh, it'll really be those housing issues where I think it's time to dig in and see where's that bipartisan agreement.
0: Anna Brown, Citizens Count. which you go, CitizensCount.org. I know we're 12 days into February, and I know we still have a presidential stuff that's dominating a lot of the news, the next big contest, Republicans, South Carolina, I guess, what, 12 days from today. Uh, my question to you, Anna, is – I, it feels like late spring, spring we're gonna see the gubernatorial race pick up in the primary between the major Republicans and Democrats with an open seat in the corner office at the State House. Both parties would like that seat. When what are we what's going on behind the scenes now? Do you pick up anything that's differentiating differentiating, for example, Joyce Craig and Cindy Warmington, there's others, but the major Democrats or Kelly Ayotte and Chuck Morse. Is there anything going on that's sort of these candidates, these battleships, if you will, or these ships on the water, how are they tacking, how are they navigating? Is there anything that's setting up how voters are going to look at the choices uh, if they're voting in the Democrat, for the Democrat, or the Republicans? Is there anything sort of separating and differentiating these folks?
4: Well, I think that the really interesting thing on the Republican side is that we are seeing Chuck Morse kind of tacking right, I would say. He was a relatively moderate Republican leader in in the Senate compared to, you know, a lot of other candidates that might be running for governor, certainly, that were running for the U.S. Senate last time around when he was running. But he's definitely tacking to the right of Kelly Ayotte and, you know, doing that full throated support for Trump, for example, which even got a little bit of criticism from Governor Sununu, which is interesting because Sununu has been a very strong ally of Chuck Morse in the past. So I think that definitely, though, on the Republican side, we're seeing that sort of teeing up of, of Chuck Morse being that more far, farther right candidate, and then Kelly Ayotte, of course, has just been really consistent. The message that we are getting day in and day out from her is don't mess up New Hampshire. You know, referencing Massachusetts, been very, very clear and consistent on that messaging, and particularly focusing on immigration-related issues, which is that when you look at polls, it is a very hot issue for Republican voters right now, um, it would just is interesting to me in new hampshire there's all that attention on the northern border for sure but i think that if you go out in your communities on a day-to-day basis if you ask someone if they are seeing the impacts of immigration in their communities probably not they're probably going to bring up something that they've seen on the news happening elsewhere but not necessarily what's going on here unless you go way 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 to the very northernmost tip of new hampshire so That's how the Republican side is sort of shaping up. On the Democratic side, I think it's interesting because it really looked like Joyce Craig was the the more – robust fundraiser, was getting a lot more Mm -hmm. support and attention until we had that mayoral election in Manchester, where it was the big upset. Everyone thought that Kevin Kavanaugh, who had the full support of Joyce Craig and the entire Democratic machine, they all thought he was going to win. And then we had Jay Rue, the relatively newcomer to Republican politics, winning that election. And I think that was a big sort of, you know, shook things up. And now I think that Cindy Warmington since then has been gaining more momentum.
0: All right, I appreciate it. Um, Anna Brown, CitizensCounts, Citizens org on this Monday morning. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Jack. Rory O'Neill, BC News Radio National Correspondent, joining us on a Monday. Good morning, Rory. Hey, Jack. Good morning. A little Super Bowl cleanup?
5: A little bit. I am in desperate need of a nap after staying up that late last night. When it went into overtime, I was like, oh, come on, this is a conspiracy to keep me from getting enough sleep. But, uh, yeah, the first half I thought was a bit of a snooze, but uh, turned into a great ending.
0: It did, and you know, I don't know about you. I could not not watch the whole thing. Problem is, just trying Same. to switch, turn on the switch and go to bed right after it's hard because you're right. watching this game. It's tight. It takes about a half hour to adjust, just even though you have no stake in the game. What else? What else, Rory? Any other? Any numbers yet? On how many people watch this thing?
5: I, I keep on trying to see the numbers if they they have not come in yet from deadline and variety. So no numbers there. What did you think about the Kennedy ad?
0: I've talked about it this morning, and I think it caught some. Uh, it caught attention. I mean, it's his Super PAC that's backing him, seven million dollar ad, but it was very, very like his, his, you know, uncle, very Kennedy esque. I think I'm telling you, I think he's going to do if he if he has enough signatures, Rory, to cut to the chase to be on states like New Hampshire, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Especially if people aren't the independents don't love Trump and they don't love Biden. Watch out because there's going to be an impact on this election, and people are not even talking about it.
5: Well, oh, yeah, and a new ABC poll out this morning, 86% say Joe Biden is too old to run again. 62% say Trump is too old. There's a, there's an avenue there somewhere.
0: Yeah, and, and, and people, they're, they're both so defined. You know, Trump's got his base. The difference, though, the reason why I'd be more worried, Rory, not just last week with the special counsel and the uh, classified document stuff on Biden, the reason why I'd be more worried <laughs> – Excuse me, if I was in the Democrat uh, in the Biden White House or advisor is Trump's support of those he has is like cement. It is rock solid. It doesn't waver. Joe Biden doesn't have rock solid support even among Democrats. And when you see that number just last week of how many people are. I mean, Joe Biden has been around how long Trump's now been around quite a while from, you know, 20 before 2016. So I'm not surprised at more than 80 percent want anything but and i'm telling you there there could be the customers and the independent voters decide general elections and i would not discount robert f kennedy jr on if he if he can get on the ballot that's a big thing
5: that's the ch- it's all about who turns out in, in november and getting
0: on a ballot is not that easy and that's why the two parties kind of have it rigged all right thank you worry thanks jack all right, Dr. Vic, a.k.a. Dr. Vic a host of Navigating Uncertainty and his latest book, The Generalist. Good morning, Vic, with some Monday morning thoughts. How are you? I'm great, Jack. Good morning. How are you today? Doing okay. Well, what's on you? What, what's catching your eyes? Is it socioeconomic? Is it entertainment? Is it Super Bowl? What is it? It's
3: all of the above, Jack. What an interesting time, right? Super Bowl, we got, as you've been talking about, the politics of last week and watching Joe Biden, the Kennedy ad. Um, let's go overseas for a minute, stuff that's getting my attention. Pakistan had a big election that was unexpected with a populist sort of guy who was in jail getting a lot of support for his party. Um, the use of AI to sort of have him deliver messages to a population to influence a vote, even be- though he was behind bars, kind of caught my eye. Um Big election in Indonesia. These are some of the largest Muslim populations on the planet. So, yeah, a whole bunch of things catching my eye, Jack. This week, lots of economic data. Uh, We got CPI data coming out this week, PPI data, mortgage applications. So, yeah, it's just a busy time.
0: Let's slow it down because we have some time, Dr. Let's go back to (laughs) last week. I said on Friday, even though I was in a Friday mood going to the Super Bowl weekend, chill it back, dial it back, have some fun, news talk. I was so blown away at watching the optics because I'm a little different wired differently than you and most. I'm thinking behind the scenes in the Biden White House with the media people after that special counsel report and the conclusion, which was more damning if they decided to charge him. But yes, mishandled. Yes, took knowing classified secret documents. Yes, should be charged. Yes, gave them to the biographer. Of his memoir in 2017, which is clearly illegal, but he's a nice elderly man and his memory is too poor and forgetful to charge him. That's, that was worse than charging him. And then I watched that press conference thrown together oh. Thursday night. What oh. What a Horrible. debacle. You Horrible. can't start yelling at the media when they ask you questions that are, you may not want to talk about it, but when you get agitated, you're making that memory question of forgetfulness even worse. Yep. And when you start as your answer. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done for this country? I got to no. I asked you, sir, about your memory and your cognitive issues. If you're too old to serve, don't tell me what you did. Answer the question. He was getting so mad and it made it worse.
3: Yeah. No, look, even the reference to Mexico, the confusion between Mexico and uh, Egypt there, that didn't help Jack. He was supposed to come on to calm down um, the perception problem that had been developed. And, uh, I mean, look, he compounded it.
0: And what do they do now? Because you can't hide it. You can't make it all the way to next November and hide it. I I think now, I'm sorry, but I think the cat's out of the bag. You see, you and I, I don't believe in coincidences as I get older, Dr. Vick. When they announced that Admiral Kirby is going to play an elevated spokesperson role in the administration in the White House as kind of the right-side advisor, the national security person to Biden, he'll be doing the press conferences on the Middle East. I'm like, okay, more signs. There's a problem. There's a problem. Yep. And I'm watching this going, I don't think you can hide it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Look, I mean, you've had major newspapers, some conservative leaning, some others, even um, I think the National Review this morning now granted uh, right leaning um, coming out saying, you know, Joe Biden really just needs to step aside. This is now torturing the country. It's bad for everyone. Um, you know, the, the talk about well, the 25th Amendment, all that good stuff. So, so walk us through. It's walk legit. us
0: through. If you were in a room and they say, Dr. Vick. Impartial expert, you're a great socio-economic thinker. You taught it. Don't, I'm not. I'm not holding this against you. you taught at Harvard. You taught at Yale. <laughs> Walk us through what we do here, because we're worried that we are going to have to do something. Do, what do they do? Do they wait to the convention and then and then make a change behind the scenes? Do they try and do something before? What do they do? Oh, Jack, that's way above my pay grade. I could
3: never uh, tell you what they're. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you that, look, there's a process underway. It's probably, um, you know, first, let's cover it up and pretend it doesn't exist. And right. I think that that cycle has started. Uh, then they go from, you know, you heard it on the Sunday morning news shows. Uh, I think Maricus or somebody else was like, oh, you know, the toughest part of prepping for a meeting with Biden is you got to get the attention to detail. He's sharp. He's there. He's pulled together. You know, at some point, it's not believable. Like We've watched with our own two eyes. That's not the case. Um, And so, you know, I think there's probably a process where, first, it's defense. Second, it's strategize and some creative solution-solving problems put on the table. And then third would be they'll turn to some action. And, you know, know, I was in D.C. last week, Jack, when this stuff was breaking and was sitting around with a bunch of people talking about this. And, you know, when we talk about they are going to do something, the pushback I got was who is they? Who is they? Who is... And I actually think it's sort of the generic uh, Democratic Party will likely lean this in the direction of okay, we want to win, and this is not a winning this is not a winning right. uh, option here. And if if that is ultimately the goal, and I think it is for them, then they're going to change course to yeah. increase their odds of winning. Like that seems obvious.
0: Now I'm not plugged into the conversations. <clears throat> no surprise between former President Obama and the biden white house but i hear there's no love loss there and mm-hmm. i think the bidens are locked in i think jill biden is playing a heavier role than people know wanting to keep her, pus- her husband in there in power no one likes to give up power um so i think they're kind of on their own in there and i think they're trying to figure out how they get to the starting line um, but I, my concern is i think you have a bigger issue that no one's talking about and what i mean is from what little I know or maybe more than a little I know after spending time for example at the US Army War College in Carlisle Pennsylvania the National Security Seminar as a, as a citizen a civilian I was you know amazed is when you have a four-star admiral or general in that joint chiefs room or the, the you know the, the uh, they call it the, uh, the in the basement of the White House the national security or the uh, the, the special terms situation, for room. situation yeah. room when you're yep. sitting in the situation room Typically the chief of staff is there, the president, the vice president, unless she's away, would be there, and you have all these other advisors, national security, FBI, CIA, joint chairman of the joint chiefs. When you've taken an oath as a four star member of the military, it rises above your political party or affiliation, and if they sense that the president is not calling the shots. I mean, they've had movies like this. When they sense the president is not the one in charge, that he's incapacitated either because of his memory loss or whatever, and they're looking at a non-elected White House chief of staff telling them all what to do, that's a bad movie. And it only takes one or two, Anthony Blinken, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, to put their hand up and say, nope, I'm out, I'm out. And Mm -hmm. once they start talking, you start talking here about the 25th Amendment, and it can cascade very quickly. And it might take that. It might come to that because – the Middle East is very volatile. We still have the war in the Ukraine. We have China. We have North Korea. And they're going to have to make more military decisions. And you can't sit there with the oaths you've taken as a four-star and look the other way. You can't. Yeah.
3: No, I think you're right, Jack. I think you're right. And by the way, it's not just the wars you're talking about. It's the potential war, potential conflicts that could be, you know, Taiwan is still out there. Let's not forget about that. Um, you know, we have the Red Sea and the shipping lanes. Again, don't forget about that because that'll drive uh, shipping chaos to turn right. into inflation. Right. And inflation will become a hot political issue if it starts rearing its ugly head again.
0: Okay, well, let me ask you this one. Did you see the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. ad in the Super Bowl? And people I are did. people are writing this off, but i got to tell you, you can't rule out an impact if he can get enough ballots with these polls that are showing 86% don't like Biden or Trump.
3: No, I think you're right, Jack. Look, I have always thought that Kennedy had a latent audience. I didn't know how big it was. Um, but, you know, if that Super PAC ad uh, gets traction and gets people focused and talking about it like we are, then it's going to have impact. And, you know, how big an impact, how many ballots does he get on? Is he able to influence anything or whether this is just a conversation piece yet to be determined? But um, I think it's noteworthy that it's going on. I mean, you can imagine uh, I've seen some some analysis that said, look, if he gets on a handful of ballots, he will materially take votes. And this could actually impact the election.
0: Yeah. And it won't take much if it's a tight election. And it looks like it well could be. Right, Dr. Vick? It could be. I mean, the interesting thing, Jack, I'm convinced there's a lot more negative
3: voting going on at this uh, dynamic. I will vote against this person rather than for someone. Right. Right. Um, And I don't know how that works with a Kennedy in the mix. Like, I just I haven't thought it through. Well, um, I think there's a lot of yes, there's close voting, close polling, but also a lot of negative voting, voting against rather than voting for.
0: But, you know what, I've talked to some people who may not be the biggest Trump supporters, but they certainly don't dislike him or his policies They don't like what he said about Nikki Haley's husband being deployed in the military. Where is he? Why isn't he here with you? But that was Trump at his worst. But I'm telling you, Trump's support, regardless of those comments, is so solid. And it's not at 50 percent. But you and I know it's in that mid to high 40s. It doesn't move. So Joe Biden's Democrat support isn't solid like concrete. It's very squishy. So that's where you get these independent numbers that can skew this thing. All right, Doctor Vic, what's yeah. uh, anything else going today? Should I let you go?
3: <laughs> I got a lot going on, Jack, but no, let me let you go. You got more interesting people right, to talk right. to than me. All
6: right, thanks. All right, thanks, All right, right. right. Todd, did you sit and watch the game? Most of it. Um, I have a. We have a live live in five year old granddaughter, which sometimes. Forces me to switch the TV into a kids show, and then I followed it on ESPN. But yeah, I, I uh, like. I think a lot of people felt that uh, Mahomes right now is the current day Brady, and it's hard to pick against them. And I had predicted twenty four twenty one, Kansas City ended up being twenty five twenty two. I do feel bad for Kyle Shanahan because until he wins that first one, he'll he'll have that label. The best coach that's never won a Super Bowl. But remember, Andy Reid had that tag for a while when he was with Philadelphia. Now he's won three.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Jay Dong and I said this earlier. Mahomes is unbelievable. Very appropriate MVP. He took charge last night, like champions do in that last drive. But I could see because the team starts breaking up, there'll be some guys who retire. It's hard to keep it going. That's what was amazing in the years that Belichick kept it going, with Brady. I could see one or two more, Max, from Mahomes, but you never know. I just think catching Brady with that individual number of Super Bowls is going to be next to impossible for any living human being. It just, I may be wrong.
6: Well, I think you're right. I think, uh, I think he'll win a couple more, um, and not get to seven because also, remember, you're dealing with the American Football Conference where eventually, you know, a Josh Aaron, Allen, Lamar Jackson, um, Joe Burrow, eventually one of those other quarterbacks is gonna, is gonna <laughs> beat, beat him. Uh, Joe Burrow's actually beat him once before. So, but we'll see. Certainly if they win next year in three, Pete, they'll, Oh, uh, yeah, uh, then everything's on the, yeah. Yep. You, you got that right. Now, as far as fun stuff, so, um, Sunday was a tremendous day for me because in the morning we had what's called a Super Bowl four-miler race out of Bedford and, uh, it's a fundraiser for Special Olympics and of course many of them were doing a, uh, penguin plunge and whatever, but we raised a lot of money for Special Olympics and it's always great to see them and we have a Delta Dental, but in addition to running, we have a boot there and, we um, give out, you know, toothbrushes, and uh, people purchase the book "Stories from the Starting Line," which you referenced, because monies for that go to uh, oral health for veterans. And then, when I was done with that race, Jack, I was I pulled a Superman. I I threw on my uh, my ski outfit and went over to Pats Peak for the Vertical Challenge which is a race that raises money for uh, you know for for Make a Wish and I saw a lot of the families and it's just great connecting with the families we we try to connect with them four or five times a year so we have a cruise that we sponsor in September we have a holiday party we do something for uh, Kenneby Lake in the, in the summer and then we try to connect with them during the season for the for the for the vertical challenge. And then we'll talk about this on Friday, but upcoming on Sunday is a race in Hopkinton, which raises money for the Northeast Delta Foundation so that we can continue to source and handle veterans. And veterans friends out there, if you're in oral health pain and if you're not eligible for Medicaid or the VA, just give me a call at 223-1300. And Dr. Mitch Coray and I handle about, Jack, about, you know, five calls a week. Right.
0: I appreciate that, Tom. Very good stuff, good game. Thanks very much. We'll catch you in a few days. Right,
6: right. Bye bye.